Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the 40. Arms in the air and a victory salute. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants. Take off the bra and be a man. Uh, That's amazing. That's the great Kevin Harlan on the call. It wasn't a bra. It was some kind of a swimsuit. That uh, and and yeah, you know, he was bashful apparently edge. about taking his pants off. He's already out there running around on the field, and uh, he he didn't quite get Mike Curtis in the end zone, but he got hit pretty. He got hit pretty solidly by the security. Well, I'm guard. sure he should have probably should have got hit harder. I mean, honestly, and and that moment and everything like that. But this guy. Uh, aha, maybe a genius because anything you see on social media, he put down money on. I don't believe it. I oh, don't believe it's, 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 I, it's, I think it's everywhere now. I don't think you can deny it. I don't it. believe it. Okay. I choose not to believe great, it. Great. Great. Okay. Don't believe it. Just believe Lee Harvey Oswald was the only shooter I have up learned, in the window. I have You're learned. <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald. Forget that. I've learned <laughs> over the last year that you can believe whatever you want to believe. I choose not to believe it. Okay. Fine. Don't. Well, I'm going to explain it to the audience then, and you just be quiet for a minute, okay? But either way, this guy put down money that someone was going to run on the field during the Super Bowl. He put down, I, I want to get this right, I can't remember exactly, a few thousand dollars. He ended up winning $375,000, and he had to pay $1,000 to get out of jail. Winning, so I don't know. I, what happens there, Mike? Did they collect before he goes to jail? Can they say, no, that bet doesn't count now because you did that? How does that work? I, I would, I would, if I were the, the, the sports book that paid off that money, I would do everything that I possibly could to get that money back. Also, usually there's a limit on how much you can bet on that kind of a crazy prop because of the potential for foul play. You know, a broadcaster who who has a friend or a friend who yeah. puts money on whether the broadcaster says a certain word a certain number of times. I mean, I think there are safeguards in place for that. Hell, somebody could have ran up into the stands with the football and crammed it into the cannon porthole like uh, like the old movie Rollerball and collected on the 5,000 to one shot that, uh, that they created a points bet for the Chris Sims Memorial cannon hole deal. So, so but I, why, I just, why can't, you know, I don't know. That's the, I, you know, again, I, listen, I, that's their fault. He ran out on the field that they well, put out the bet but, there, but that's why that's the main reason I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't think that they would have allowed that kind of a payoff for it, right? That the limit for that bet would have been a lot lower because of the potential for some sort of foul play, some sort of engineering. You know, this isn't a test of the security system and detail at, at Raymond James Stadium. You got somebody who puts money on it. They got an incentive to find a way onto the field. They're going to find a way onto the field. Sure. So I 
I haven't researched it yet, yeah. but my reaction has been to kind of make a face and say, that just strikes me as BS. Well, we'll Maybe see. Maybe it's not. We'll give you an update tomorrow. We'll see. He's Which would explain why you buy it and I don't. Oh, that's, yeah, sure. Because, yes, yeah, I know. You're, you've never bought BS before. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Only from you. All right. <laughs> let's, let's get to it. Uh, from BS to the goat, uh, Tom Brady. He now has seven Super Bowl rings. And he used to say, Chris, if you remember this, they would ask him, what's your favorite Super Bowl ring? And he would say the, the next, next one. one, right? The next one, right? Well, now that he's got seven and there's never a guarantee there's going to be a next one but with him. Who knows? Uh, yeah, eight, nine, ten. I mean, may as well finish out the set. May as well take care of both hands. No, no, seriously. But he's taking it's almost he's he's so it's so unreal and he's in the game so much. I, I'm not even joking. It's almost taking the luster of the Super Bowl away. Like I, I'm really. I don't not. think it does. I think it adds to it. I, I, mean, I think it's not the Super Bowl without Tom Brady. Well, there. it's. I mean, I, I don't mean it from that. Like I, yes, it makes it awesome. I, I understand that. I don't mean that, but just almost the luster of like, you know, the prestige of being there and other quarterbacks. Like he's so smashed everybody out of the water every now and then. It's almost just like there's nothing to even catch or look to. You good luck. You got no chance. Sorry. Well, it's like the Celtics of what the fifties and sixties. Yeah. It's a standard that has now transcended teams. It goes from Patriots to Patriots, Buccaneers, and I'm sure he'd love to get a second one with the Buccaneers. You get a second one with the Buccaneers, and you've killed, you've destroyed, you've decimated the argument that it was more Belichick than Brady. If Brady can go somewhere else and win two rings in two, three, four years, there, and I, look, I'm not going to hand him next year's ring. But here's the bottom line: he was asked to rank his Super Bowl rings. Here's what he had to say when it comes to prioritizing one through seven. It's great. That's that's where I rank it. It's great. It's been a great year and uh, incredibly, I mean, just fun. I just, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I think in a unique way, um, it was kind of like uh, with, with the coronavirus situation and, and all the protocols, it was really like football for junkies, you know? There was not really a lot of other things to do other than show up to work and play football. There was, you know, normally there's a lot of things that go along with playing football. So if you love football, you know, this was a year to be a player in the NFL because that's all it was. It was like football camp with all your buddies year round. So that was, I really enjoyed that part. Okay. He doesn't want to prioritize his, his ranks. Every year is different. Every year is special. This one's special. It's his first year with Tampa Bay. He was able to go all in full football, football junkie. Not that he, wasn't one anyway. What would you say of his seven Super Bowl rings? Which is the one? The and and not well. Well, this ring's nicer than this one. I'm talking about what it signifies. Which ring would stand out to you? Um, to me, it's either his fourth or fifth Super Bowl win. It's the the Seattle or the Atlanta game. Either way, the Seattle game. He was in an era of it's Deflate Gate. He took the air to the footballs in the AFC Championship game. And it had been a long time since they won the Super Bowl, and they were down by 10 points, and you were going, eh, you know, Tom Brady's good now. Yeah, in the years before, you know me, I didn't think he was all that great leading up to that Super Bowl. This is why they drafted Jimmy G. But th it, it's that one because of the Legion of Boom. It gets the monkey off the back. We won the Super Bowl. Or, hey, it's the fifth one now. You know, I think the, the confidence in the fourth helps him do what he did in the fifth. But I guess the fifth one is the one I look at. You pass all the quarterbacks, Bradshaw, Joe Montana, and they were down 28-3. to three, And it was the year that he got suspended for deflate gate and all that kind of crap, too. So uh, I think that one, to me, would be the one that stands out, at least in my mind, for Brady. I think there's something to be said for the first one, 14 sure. underdogs against the Rams sure. and finding a way to beat the greatest show-offs on turf. I think that one would stand out. And to me, look, I, I'm not going to let you get by with saying he deflated the footballs yeah. in the AFC Championship game because the evidence is conclusive. No. inconclusive. He hasn't even denied it himself, Mike. He doesn't even no. deny it. I know, but Matt Casey's saying move on. No, you, no, it's he took him out. It's there. over. No, All the evidence is no. there. We know he did. No, I mean the no, Colts no, balls no. were fine. The evidence is inconclusive. The, Why? No, the because inconclusive. because Robert Kraft and the Patriots Fox news it and like changed we the subject and everything. We don't have no. enough time. I'm telling you, the raw numbers as applied to the atmospheric conditions. 
PV. I'm telling you, no. I'm telling you. I, here's my theory, and then I'll move on. My theory is the guy who regularly took the air out of the footballs, because the officials' locker room was full of people watching overtime of Packers Seahawks. Remember that game? We sure. talked about it before the Super. But that that he couldn't do what he ordinarily did. So I don't know. They it looks like they pulled us off the air. So he takes it into he takes it into the that bathroom right. and he freaks out and he doesn't do it. That's my theory. He takes the bag of balls into the bathroom and he's like, I don't have enough time to do this. It's gonna to be too conspicuous. There's cameras out there. I'm just not gonna do it today. I think that's what happened. All okay. Right. No, wait, 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 wait. But I that's think he went in there and I took think the that air day out. He didn't do it. He went in I there and took the it. air out. We've never heard from him before. Innocent people don't destroy their cell phones. Okay, that just doesn't happen. We still haven't found those guys and everything about it. And the Colts balls stayed. Above the right. legal limit. That, right. that, that's anyway. and, and Tom Brady has yet to say, I didn't do it. He makes comments going, I don't feel like I cheated. I don't think I did anything wrong. It's not as serious as ISIS. Those are his comments. He doesn't even say no. So stop. Stop. That's what he has said. To me, the fifth one. To me, the fifth one is the most significant <laughs> because you. that's the season in which he served the four-game suspension. And that was really the moment yeah. where, I mean, I, 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 I was – I was thinking that he was going to win that one and, and do Maybe the walk away in the longest yard and stick the football into Roger Goodell's stomach and say, put this in your trophy case and just be gone. I really did. And, you know, his wife was pushing him. I mean, from, from the standpoint of dramatic moment, it gets no more dramatic than capping off that win down 28 to three right. in the season that you were suspended. Yeah. And, and, and saying, that's it. I'm out. I got my five. See you later. And, uh, you know, he made the right move because four years later he's got two more, and four years from now, I don't know. Is he going to have two more? Is he, he really going to have more? Like, do we? Re when does this end, Chris? Well, Mike, I mean, you know, I, it's not going to end right now. I mean, the damn team is good. We just we just talked about it. I mean, we talked about it in week five how good they were. We've 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 said. I mean, it, it's a team that's got no weak spot, and he's the quarterback, and his only weak spot is. Protect him, and if you protect him, he'll tear your ass apart still. So that's where he's still awesome. There's no doubt. Brady is awesome. Listen, yeah, I, I'm just uh, button it up. Listen, I don't like the Deflate Gate thing. Yeah, I think he's guilty, All and, right. and why? Wait, I'm just right. I'm just wrapping it up. And I, okay. the reason I'm Bring mad about it more than anything is because he Land didn't need to do it. He's awesome, and he's Tom Brady. That's why I get bothered because I actually root for the guy, and I did not like that aspect. Now, other than that. Man, you know, again, you're never going to hear me say he's the most talented quarterback and the greatest from that standpoint. But damn, his arm never gets the credit it deserves. The clutchness is the greatest clutch quarterback I've ever seen in my life. Maybe the greatest clutch sports athlete I've ever seen in my life. I could certainly say that. And I think, Mike, here's the thing that jumps out to me more than anything. I, I mean, I don't even know how to really say this. The, the perseverance, the discipline. Um, the perseverance, one, to change your game when you went through issues and persevere and change it and become better to like where 2014 and on Tom Brady is better than 2009 to 2013 Tom Brady. That's insane. And that is like the discipline, the stubbornness, and everything about the work ethic, the diet, where other quarterbacks go into, man, I'm going to drink some beers after the game and I'm going to take some time off, and he never does that. And that, to me, the obsessiveness to, like he said in Tom versus Time, you're going to have to kill yourself to beat me because I'm going to do everything. And that, to me, is his greatness and just will always be like the shining beacon thing that I think of with, with Tom Brady. I remember he did that lengthy interview with Howard Stern last April-ish after he joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he, he was very candid about some of the family stress arising from him being so obsessed with football. I think this whole Tampa thing has taken a lot of the steam yeah. out of it, and I think the issues of the past between Tom Brady and his wife as it relates to – because there is an element – of extreme selfishness that goes into making the focal point of the entire family sure. the fact that that dad exercises X hours a day. I and grew dad up in it. And dad can only yeah. eat this. And dad won't go to yeah. Chuck E. Cheese's. And dad won't, you know, 
and and it all revolves around probably a thousand times worse than what you dealt yeah, with when right. dad's the centerpiece because he's the professional athlete. And and they've found they've they've found peace. They found balance. They found something. And that's why I think he's talking now about playing past 45. That was part of the bargain. You know, well, just bear with me until I'm 45. And now I think they realize, you know, we kind of like this. We're kind of used to it. We've gotten used to it. Let's keep doing it. Yeah. And what he's doing is so rare and so special and so unprecedented and will never be repeated. I think that, that the people around him are all in with the idea that he's going to stretch that rubber band as far as he possibly can. I, I, I think one, so. Oh, sorry. One of the questions as it relates to, to stretching that rubber band is can the Buccaneers keep the band together? Here's Bruce Arians talking about his confidence in the ability of the team to bring back its many free agents. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is keep our guys. You know, um, do what we can, make sure that we keep our guys here and, uh, and, and hit a home run in free agency. Just with our guys, uh, and not maybe an outside guy, but mo- just keep our guys. And then uh, Jason will hit another home run in the draft, and uh, we'll continue to build this football team. And uh, you know we don't have any, many weak spots. If we get the guys back that we want back and uh, need back, uh, we'll just be adding great athletes in the draft. Hey, look. They've got a bunch of guys who are due to become free agents. There's the screen. They've got like 31 guys under contract going in to 2021. Gronk, free agent. Antonio Brown, free agent. Leonard Fournette, free agent. Chris Godwin, Andomican Sue, Levante David, Shaq Barrett. Now, they used the franchise tag on Shaq Barrett, so he'd be entitled to a 20% raise over that in a year where the salary cap's going to go down to the range of $180 million. This is not going to be easy, and we've seen this before. What's the best way to screw up a Super Bowl winner, Chris? We saw that dynamic way back when with the Dallas Cowboys in the early 90s. Other teams start signing away their dudes. Yep. And that's what some of these other teams may try to do. But the problem is teams aren't going to have the cap space. No, that's what's going to be interesting. I know. Are they going to be able to do it? You know, like, can can we put that graphic back up there? Um, uh, Thank you, uh, Kristen. I mean, really, when you look at these names – Okay, like the ones that I look at, right, that, that are here, that are they're at least, all right, trouble to me. Like Gronk's coming back, right? I don't think there's any way he doesn't come back. Yeah. He's synonymous. Bucks are the only team he's playing for. Right. That's the only team he's playing for. And Antonio Brown, I believe, is coming back too. I do. I don't think there's going to be a lot of action for him. And I think he likes Brady and being there and everything that way too. Now, the other, the, the, Fournette, we'll see. It's going to be all about price and what he wants to do. But now Godwin, Barrett, Levante, David, and Sue. Man, those those are interesting ones. I mean, Godwin is going to command big money on the open market, right? I mean, I would think he is going to be somewhere in that 16, 17, 18 million dollar a year type of wide receiver. Shaq Barrett, his money. Levante David is going to be da- dancing north of 10 million per year as far as what people are going to want to pay him on the market. And then Sue like you've mentioned it many times, he's in that weird spot. Would he be willing to come back there for half the money? Or has he done, he's done enough maybe to get that type of contract, that 8 or $9 million one-year deal with somebody else. So that, that to me, those last few players are the real problems at least because they, they're going to command some big money. Well, and, and the reality is even though the cap is going to go down, there are some teams out there that have been hoarding and building and compiling cap space. Yeah. And they're still going to have the opportunity to, to kind of screw things up a little bit right? if they want to. Maybe Urban Meyer took a shine to Chris Godwin coaching against Penn State. Maybe maybe that's going to be part of the Jaguars' overhaul. Just just pluck this guy from the other side of the state, not too far away. Let's yeah. bring him to Jacksonville. Right. Because one of the things about free agency – it's not about winning in September through December. There's an element of it that relates to building credibility for your team. And these are the big names. These are the guys now that, you know, Chris Godwin, if the, if the Buccaneers don't make it to the playoffs, Chris Godwin isn't nearly as attractive as he is now that he's available and you can say, hey, everybody, we got one of the key players from the defending Super Bowl champions. And also you can feel at a certain level that you've you've disrupted their effort to try to repeat. But the other side of this, and they may have to lose some guys. I, I don't know. But- yeah, like Godwin, I want to go like, I, you know, listen, they do have Scotty Miller and you got Antonio Brown as a backup plan. And you got Tyler Johnson. And exactly, right. So you that to me is one where I look at and go, 
he could price himself out of the Buccaneers stratosphere and end up to like one in one of those teams you're talking about, or the New England Patriots who are going to have ninety zillion dollars in free agency. That just goes. We need a guy. We got to get this kind of guy, and they're just going to pay him what he what he deserves or what he wants. And there's going to be a veteran somewhere who gets cut, who once he's available, and people say, "Oh, I didn't know he was going to get cut." Well, he'll go take the minimum to spend a year with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay and win a Super Bowl. Period. So that's the other side of this. You can say, "Well, we want to keep our guys," but once they start dumping contracts as teams that are struggling to get down to 180 just throw these recognizably named veterans overboard that's when it's gonna be okay well we'll let chris go because we don't want to pay him 16 million a year but we're gonna get this guy for one year he's signing on for one year and uh we're, we're gonna we're gonna put him in the lab with tom brady and we're confident we're gonna be right where we were at the end of the 2020 season patrick mahomes has to rebuild things to a certain extent look this was a great team in the regular season 14 and one in the games they tried to win only the Raiders beat them back in week five week 17 didn't matter they weren't trying to win that one they were they were getting an extra week of rest in advance of the postseason here's Mahomes talking about the motivation that he will take from his loss in Super Bowl 55 it'll definitely motivate you I mean if you're if you're a competitor and you get so close to your ultimate goal um, and then you fall short I mean, it's something that will motivate you for the rest of your career. I mean, uh, it was a it was a bad feeling in that locker room after the game. Uh, I mean, you don't want to have that feeling again. And so, uh, uh, we luckily enough, we'll have, we'll have a lot of the same guys back. Um, um, and we'll, we'll obviously add new guys. And and uh, we'll we'll set set the tone from the beginning of the year, beginning of the off season, um, that we have to be uh, better. We have to be better than we, we were this last year in order to to go out there and win the Super Bowl. Yeah, no cigarettes and fresca in the locker room at halftime or after this one for the Kansas City Chiefs, although they lost the one where Len Dawson was smoking the cigarette and drinking the fresca at halftime. That was Super Bowl one. The torment from losing, mm. I think that drives Tom Brady, and I think now that Patrick Mahomes has a dose of that, that torment, that I never want to feel this way again ever in my life, that, that, that's, yeah. that can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming. I mean – when I'd have to look at the full list of Super Bowls. I mean, how many guys have we seen back in the Super Bowl recently who have lost one? Typically, you don't get back if you lose one, right? Yeah, Other I mean, than Brady, right? Who who Peyton Manning. established that the torment from Brady has right. carried him, I think, to more victories. Other Peyton than Manning Brady, lost Peyton twice, Manning, yeah, right, won twice, yeah. of course. But um, but he's but I'm, the guys in the league now. Who yeah. in the league now, other than Mahomes and Brady, have lost one? And and come back. Russell Wilson hasn't gotten back yet. No. And who knows if he's going to? There's some something weird going on with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. You know they haven't been past the divisional round since their Super Bowl appearance when they lost to the Patriots seven yeah. years ago now. Yeah. And he's going to be 33 this year. So I, I'm for Mahomes. My point is this: to get that lesson at this age, at this stage of his career. Because uh, what we're, you know, we always have the Dan Marino caveat. Well, there's no guarantee you're ever getting back. Do we really think Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be back at some point? Do we really think at some point over the next 15 years he's not going to be back in a Super Bowl? I His don't. point is the motivation that you get from that loss is going to come in handy. And we need to remember that. I hope I'm alive for the moment the next time Patrick Mahomes is getting ready for a Super Bowl because I think the, the very, very bad memories of what happened on Sunday – could end up being the difference maker for him. Yeah, it'll make him more obsessive, I think. You know, really, that that's what it's going to do because you, it is one of those. I have, I'm not even. I've lost one playoff game in my life, played in one playoff game, and it still bothers me in my stomach when I think about it. So I can't even imagine winning a Super Bowl and doing that, and or losing a Super Bowl and having to deal with that. And yes, I would think that makes him more obsessive, certainly, and. Listen, I don't think it's that crap. I'll run that game back one more time. You tell me next year the Chiefs can have their starting offensive line healthy and Mahomes healthy, I'd love to watch that game one more time. That'll be a different show. It'll be a different, you know, we got to remember they had to jumble around three of their five linemen and play them in positions they weren't used to playing in one game the whole year, and it was the biggest game of the year against the best D lineman they played all year. 
So that really that that hurt them. The timing of all of that was certainly, you know, handicapped to a degree there. And we'll see where it goes. But I still think, like you said, the Mahomes, the Chiefs, very relevant, not going anywhere, gonna be in the thick of things again next year. And and this is reminding me of a story from a few years ago. And it's not ideally the the the, the best example. But I remember Jameis Winston talking about being at the Pro Bowl. And he's at the breakfast buffet, and he's loading up a plate of the usual breakfast food, and he sees Russell Wilson and someone else coming back from a workout. And that's when the light bulb went off, because Jameis was a little doughy back in those days. That's when the light bulb went off for him, that if I'm going to really make something of myself, I got to go next level. Now, and look, I don't don't want to assume that Jameis Winston isn't going to become a starting quarterback again, but my point is this. Is Patrick Mahomes accepting in the aftermath of this game that he's got to give himself completely to the sport the way that Tom Brady does if he wants to be Tom Brady, if he wants to establish that legacy of greatness? He's got to do the pliability. He's got to do the avocado ice cream. It's got to be PM15 to match TB12 if he really wants to do it the way that Tom Brady is doing it. And maybe what he saw on on Sunday – and what he's witnessing and what we're all witnessing from Brady is the the challenge to all of them. To echo what you were saying earlier, if you're going to ever have a chance to be the kind of player that Tom Brady was and still is, you got to you got to surrender yourself to yeah. it. You got to be so selfish about your career, but at the same time you've got to surrender all of your own selfish impulses of I'd like to eat that. I'd like to drink that. I'd like to do this. I'd like to do that instead of all the things that Brady does. It feels like 24 hours a day. No, and it's it's not going to be easy. But, yeah, it's going to take that type of obsession for him to get to that spot to where, yeah, he's competing with them, compared against them, whatever it is. But it's a different thing altogether. And that's where it's just going to be interesting to go all again. Because Mahomes, Kansas City's built around Mahomes, and it's all about Mahomes and his skill set, you know, Tom Brady got the benefit of team and coaching, and I just got to play a big part in this whole thing we do, right? That's where it's going to be a different challenge for Patrick Mahomes. It's more like, hey, Patrick, it's on you. That's the way they play. That's the way Kansas City is. And Brady, he just had to make sure he was able to stay in shape, stay sharp mentally, get ready, and as long as I can run this machine, we're going to be tough to beat. And that's where it's a different animal to me altogether because more of it is just on Mahomes to do things with his great ability and not to take away from the greatness of Brady. But, hey, you know, a lot of the things we talk about that he's learned and he's done, he was taught by the greatest coach of all time. You know, he's the one that can go. That, that's the reason he can go to Tampa Bay and go, hey, I think we should do this, this, and this. Let me tell you why. And it's Tom Br- and it's Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels coming out of his mouth to Bruce Arians and all that too. So those are the challenges Mahomes is really going to have to deal with. And I don't know if anybody could be as obsessive as Tom Brady with all that it takes to, to get it done. Do we remember when it was that the switch flipped for Brady? to make him into this this cyborg, this football cyborg? When was it? I, I, I'm i going to say, I feel like when they got into, hey, we're going to stop playing run-the-ball defense team football and around that 2006 time, I want to say, in 2007, when then I feel like that's when they started getting to, hey, let's ride Brady, the rules the way they are and everything like that as far as you know favoring the offensive pass game. Let's start doing that. And I feel like that was around the start, maybe right around there. But I feel like it went to another level of like health and cyborg somewhere around 2012 and 13 to where it went off to another jump, jumping spot of, hey, I'm psycho and I'm doing everything I got to do. But now I've looked in deeper, and i got to go a little more psycho with my diet, my workout regimen, and all that. I feel like that was around 2013-14. I don't know. What do you think? I think that's about right. It was yeah. sometime after the ACL tear, and, and it just he just he just all of a sudden he compl- and he bought into this idea of playing yeah. until he's 45. And, and, and that, I'm, my point is Mahomes has seen that. We've witnessed that. At some point, the guys who truly want to be like Tom Brady are going to have to sign over their soul to a certain extent their preferences, their lifestyle, and be like Tom Brady if they're going to have a chance of doing that. All right, we got Ronald Jones coming up later in the program. 
But before we get to Ronald Jones, we've been talking about the the current and future goats, the goats in a bad way coming out of Super Bowl five. We'll draft fifty five, not Super Bowl five. Step into a wormhole there. Super Bowl fifty five. We'll do that next on BFT. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Well, Patrick Mahomes definitely got his cardio in on Sunday night. The, the squiggly lines at the top, this is not another Rorschach test. This is at the top, everything Patrick Mahomes did to run around and buy time and throw the football. And the little thing at the bottom, that little weird upside down flower, that's Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom Brady did not have to move very much on Sunday night. Uh, that's that's where I, I'm getting into that conversation with you a minute ago. Like, I mean, listen, you know, that, that, that again, man, avocado ice cream and all that, I mean, it, it, that's going to be hard. I don't care. If you ask to play the quarterback position the way Patrick Mahomes did, there's no way. He can't play 20 years like that. That was just all insane right, go, the other night. Goats in a bad way. I'll give you the first pick. Who's gonna, the first one you got? You're going to give me the, the first pick? I'll give you the first pick. Man, um, okay. I, I don't know why. You're not I was, ready for this? I wasn't ready. Y'all. I was expecting to answer a question and then kind of get my thoughts ready, but it's okay. I could do this either way. I'm not worried about it. I think I'm going to go goats in a bad way. My first one. I, I'm going to go Andy Reid. Andy Reid. That's going to be my first one. Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy for the offensive game plan in general. I am. That's going to be my first one. I am shocked still, like I said to start the show, that they came out with a bad offensive line against that D-line and really had limited ways to throw the ball short and get the ball out of hand out of Mahomes' hands. It's like they expected to, to see the same defense they saw in Week 12. They thought they were going to see the same attack, and it was not, and there was just never an adjustment and really uh, – you know, just a lack of a game plan to attack the way the Bucks attack them. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and that was on my list. I mean, for me, the most obvious one that stands out that helped get the Chiefs off the rails early was Tommy Townsend. Yeah. You can't you can't show up at the Super Bowl and and perform like a high school punter with twenty seven and twenty nine yards. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's the Super Bowl. And, and there is an argument to be made that, well, here's what happens when you have a punter that you never use, and all of a sudden you got to rely on him in the biggest game in the world, and, uh, you know, he's going to freak out a little bit. Well, he did. And I, it's a shame that it happened, but, hey, you got one job. Kick the football as far as you can with some direction from time to time and to have a couple of shanks like that. And then he had that one drop. He dropped the ball, and it, oh my he was lucky God. And it wasn't crushed, crisis averted. He crushed that one, but it ended yeah. up being a penalty, and then he got the ball back and he hit another crappy one, right? Yep. So not good. Not, not good. good. I don't know that it's enough to get him fired, but it, but it definitely wasn't. It's good. It's bad enough to get him uh, goats in a bad way. All right, yeah. round two. All right, round two. Man, they're just the you know the the offensive defensive line. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go to Hill and Kelsey. I'm throwing them both on there. And again, I know it was a tough day for them, and I don't want to blame Kelsey the, had 133 yards. I don't I know, but it wasn't enough in the competitive part of the football game. I it was a it was, you know, and again, like I said, the game plan didn't set it up so set it up to where they were open a ton. But I'm I'm just going goats in a bad way because of the two plays, the two plays that were big plays and. They're superstars, and 
you were playing a team that was playing better than you at that moment on Sunday. You needed to make some plays to help your football team. And Tyree Kill with the drop touchdown pass, which was just an out-of-this-world throw. I mean, just a one-arm rubber band flick, 30 yards, weird body position, and it went through Tyree Kill's hands and hit him in the face. And then the third down by Travis Kelsey, when you felt like, hey, the Bucks had the momentum, but the Chiefs are still hanging around, and you just thought, like you said earlier, it just maybe they can get it go. We're just waiting for that one or two plays to jumpstart them. And maybe that could have been it. But those are two big moments where could have swayed the game by two of their best players, and they didn't come through in the clutch. I'm going to go with Bashad Breeland. And I'm old yeah. enough to remember, as I tweeted the other night, when Bashad Breeland was the guy who was getting torched by Antonio Brown week one Monday night football, Pittsburgh, Washington, right. when we all were wondering why the hell isn't Josh Norman traveling with Antonio Brown. They kept putting Brown on Breeland, and Breeland got torched all night. Breeland got better as a player since then, but uh, hey, he, he was the weak link in that secondary on Sunday night. And and even though the penalty was questionable, it was that pass interference call on him when Mike Evans went down and the Buccaneers got themselves in position for the touchdown that made it 21 to six. No doubt. And the, the defensive holding was on him on the tipped interception too. They called that on him, you know, which I, I really don't agree with that call, but yeah, uh, tough day. And again, that to me is something we didn't really hit on. There must've been some real conversations with the Bucks coaches uh, with the referees about Kansas City holding and doing those things like that. You know, there must be, and which, hey, listen, the game against the Bills in the AFC Championship game, they let them play that game, and maybe that's what they saw and didn't like. I mean, I, 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 there's a part of me that wants to go with the refs, but we've talked about it enough, and I'm not going to deal with it in either way, and I don't want to take away from Tampa being the better team. I'm going to go with the Chiefs' D-line. I'm going to go with the Chiefs' D-line because, to me, that was, you know, one thing we didn't get to hit on and the great reason of why the Bucks' offense had so much success is the fact that they ran the ball so successfully and never got into third and long a whole lot to where, or second and long to where Spags and that Chiefs defense could do all their crazy stuff and blitzes and disguises and all that. They never were able to do that. And then because of the run game, it simplified Kansas City, and they had to start playing defenses to stop the run, and they started getting gashed. And that, to me, I mean, that Bucks O-line, big, physical, everything like that. But we've seen that Chiefs D-line stop Derrick Henry, the 49ers, the Browns, all these teams, and they couldn't stop these big suckers in Tampa. And that 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 was a, a big issue in the game. And I got to go Chiefs O-line. I mean, we got one game to draw these goats yeah. from. And in the offensive line, we, we saw it. Sure. It's well-established. And, you know, maybe it wasn't as bad as it looked. And Patrick Mahomes tried to throw him a little bone yesterday. But it was without Eric Fisher – Without Mitchell Schwartz, you've got Mike Remmers and Andrew Wiley at tackle, and uh, it, 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 it opened the floodgates early and often. But, you know, it all ties together with what you're saying earlier with Andy Reid. They didn't do enough to help those guys. Uh, it, it just it, it was stunning to see a Chiefs team that we have become so accustomed to being dominant get dominated and have no answers and have a game. Of all the worst possible times, you could have just one of those – Stuff Thinkers, happens, right. although other than stuff happens type of a game. That's not the one you want to have that moment in. That's what's amazing to me that it happened then. Yeah. The biggest stage in the sport. All right. Uh, those are the goats in a bad way. Let's take a draft. We or let's take a break. That we we had our draft. We're gonna take a break. Ronald Jones, we hope, will be joining us next year on PFT Live. Ronald Jones, one of the key figures of the Tampa Bay offense. Regular season, 978 rushing yards. Postseason, 139. And most importantly, a piece of jewelry coming pretty soon to go with the T-shirt and the hat. There he is, Super Bowl champion Ronald Jones. Hey, Ronald, I've been dealing with a former Buccaneer who couldn't get to a Super Bowl with a map. I've been dealing with Chris. I like, I like Buccaneers who win Super Bowls, so welcome to the program. How are you, man? Thank you, man. I'm good. How you doing? Doing great. Hey, I see that you're here on behalf of Michelob Ultra. I, I had I had three during the game. How many did you have <laughs> after the game? Yeah, I had a couple. Uh, you know, maybe one or two, but you know, uh I don't know if you saw the commercial, but you win because you're happy and you're happy when you're winning. So I think that's what we're doing over here down in Tampa. How's it feel two days removed? You wake up on a Tuesday morning, Super Bowl champion. I, I, I do you feel different? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, the air's a lot clearer out here. You know, uh, <laughs> the sky is even more blue, you know, just things like that. But, uh, yeah, I'm feeling great, you know, on top of the world, obviously. So, you know, just very ecstatic. Hey, congratulations on the year. You played awesome. The Super Bowl, everything, it's awesome. I, I, I mean, yeah, I want to be fanboy for a second. I never won a Super Bowl. Tell me, like, the night. How did it unfold? What did we do after we left the locker room? And, like, how, you know, give us, give us a little story of how it all went. Yeah, so, uh, you know, just building up to the week, you know, uh, you know, it was great and things like that. And after, you know, uh, we had a party, you know, at the aquarium, you know, popped a few uh, Michelos and things like that. Uh, yeah, it got, it, got, it got pretty wild. So they went, you guys went to the aquarium, huh? That's where they, that's where they did yeah. the after party? Yeah, we had uh, the Migos and uh, Ludacris came through. So, you know, it was great. You know, Gronk got on stage, you know, did his thing. So it was fun. Oh, man. That's, I'm like, what time are we talking? Like, we stayed up till so the sun was up by the time we finally went to bed? I mean, I hope so. Yeah, it was about 4, 3, 3 a.m. <laughs> who, who was the life of the party at the Super Bowl party? Who's the, who's the one guy that made it all go? Oh, definitely Gronk. You know, when he got on stage and, you know, Started breakdancing and things, you know, just in a regular uh, jumpsuit, you know, outfit. So that was, that, was, that was pretty funny. How strange was it as a guy who had been with the Buccaneers pre-2020 to have Tom Brady and this influx of all these new guys who who really came in and helped make a huge difference? Yeah, it's definitely crazy. You know, like you said, uh, those guys coming in first year and having, you know, such a great impact, you know, with no OTAs and things like that uh, just shows, you know, the true – uh, determination and uh, work ethic that they have. With Brady, right? I mean, we got to hit on that. Just like, you know, in your assessment, what what does it do everything we talk about? Does everybody, you know, you nervous? You want to please Brady? We got to work harder. He coaches. Like, just tell us the experience and kind of what he did for a guy like you who's still young in his career. Yeah, definitely provided a lot of leadership, you know, in the huddle and, you know, off the field. Uh, meeting with him, you know, week to week basis and him sending, you know, video clips and stuff like that just to get you prepared. So definitely doing all the things, you know, great wood. And you know, I didn't expect anything less. Go going into the game, of course, you gotta have a little fear. You lost to the Chiefs and everything. But like just tell us about the psyche of the football team and having to play Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl and kind of like what were you guys saying to each other in the locker room all week getting ready for the football game? Yeah, just the belief, you know, that we could do it and we knew we could. And uh, we weren't going to let, you know, them come down and, you know, in our house and take it from us. You know, uh, it's been a long year and the guys worked hard and, you know, we prepared for this moment. Levante David told a great story last week about Tom Brady yelling at someone who was crying in the locker room after the NFC championship win over the Packers. Yeah. Two part question. First, was it you? Yeah. And second, did he allow crying after the Super Bowl in the locker room? <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was not me, uh, <laughs> but uh, two, yeah, he, he did allow some tears, you know, uh, after the game, just uh, being in there, you know, that moment, you know, he said it was about honor, and uh, I think that's what it came down to, you know, just building the legacy, and, you know, I'm great to be a part of it. And we're now 36 hours removed from the game. Are you already getting the text from Tom Brady, it's time to get back to work for number two? <laughs> Not yet, not yet. Surprisingly, I, I am surprised I haven't gotten it yet. Hey, uh, you know, we all talk about your offense in Tampa, right? And when it changed and when it started to click and just, you know, when that happened. Like to you, to Ronald Jones, when did it feel like you guys and the offense, you know, okay, we found our niche. This is how we're going to attack. Like what point of the year, what game was it when you finally felt like you guys were rolling on that side of the ball? I say uh, after the bye week, you know, we kind of, you know, reestablished ourselves and, you know, took a look at our record. And we were like, if you you know, we want to make a run at this thing. We got to give ourselves the best chance, you know, to get in the in the cup. Because, you know, once you're in, you know, our best is off. So I think probably after the bye week is when we started catching our swing. Yeah, you definitely did. Now, like, well, I know Brady, Gronk, Brady, Gronk. You get asked about, about that all the time. But yeah. give me – Give me another guy or two. Who's somebody else? Like, who's in the locker room? Who are some other crazy guys? Who's the loud mouth on Wednesday when you guys are all putting your pads on, getting ready to go to practice? Who's getting everybody juiced up in the locker room and causing a ruckus? Yeah, definitely uh, JPP and Devin White. You know, uh, those guys are you know, great leaders on the team, and they, they make sure, you know, 
we don't take a day off uh, offensively uh, as a group too. So just keeping that pressure on, you know, uh, iron sharpens the greatness in the locker room. And, and I think there was probably two people who did that on Wednesdays. Ronald, take us inside the locker room for the extended halftime. You go in 21 to six up. You got a long time to talk about, a long time to think about. What went on during that that extra long intermission? Yeah, just more hype. You know, guys kept saying 30 more minutes, you know, score zero, zero, things like that. And that's what you have to do against a team like that, you know, with an offense uh, that can score, you know, any minute. It just, uh, you know, came too far not to finish it, so. <laughs> yeah, I remember this. It still gives me the chills thinking about it. You get the ball back, and it's 14-6, to six, and there's less than a minute in the first half. What was the mood of the offense? Because I, that's kind of an area where you're like, all right, we're, we're happy to be up 14-6. to six. G- Give us an idea of the mindset going into that last drive that resulted in the touchdown. Yeah, just had to grind hard and uh, finish, you know, the drive and what we started. Uh, I think we went in, you know, kicked the field goal, and uh, we were able to – go up so that was just good you know getting that kick cushion building the lead with with like super bowl champs amazing experience you know even with all that though do you sit there and go man i want to get back to the super bowl and see what it's like when there's a full stadium and it's not the pandemic do you have that thought in your brain at all uh not yet you know i'm just soaking in this one uh but definitely i'd love to be back of course uh you know, a bunch of the guys were saying, where's that next year? So, uh, that's definitely, yeah, that'll be the mission again next season. So, uh, we're definitely going to soak this one in for yeah. as long as I can. Good. Enjoy it down there in Harbor Island. I know that nice weather. Ooh, <laughs> I used to live right around the corner. I want to ask about your offensive coordinator, though, Byron Leftwich. He sometimes gets mm-hmm. overlooked in talking. Like, talk about his attitude, his coaching style, and just how he is as a guy altogether. Yeah, you know, uh, I love playing for former players and things like that. So, you know, he's very understanding. Uh, he builds the offense, you know, the way that lets, you know, the best players succeed and things like that. Got, you know, great leadership qualities and, uh, you know, just always believed in me from the start. So uh, I got to give a lot of credit to him as well. Uh, I, one more thing, Mike. I just wanted to ask him a little bit, like, just on the offensive side of the ball, Ronald, just as far as, you know, were you shocked? that you guys kind of became a running team. Did you think that would happen? You know, I mean, I, I think a lot of us in the media thought, oh, they'll get in the shotgun and let Brady dissect people, you know, but mm-hmm. d- did you see this running attack, play action attack coming along early in the year? Uh, maybe not as early in the year, uh, but definitely, you know, towards the playoffs, they'd always say, you know, uh, you got to run the ball, you know, win games and control the clock, things like that. So I think just staying balanced, you know, was key. And uh, like you said, open up play action pass and things like that. So, like you said, Brady could be back there and uh, not sick. Yeah. Ronald, when did you finally exhale in the second half? Because we've seen Patrick Mahomes do it over and over again. We saw it last year. Down 10 points with seven minutes left. He finds a way to win the game by 11 points. When did you finally say, you know what, we're going to win this game? Yeah, I think it was uh, probably one of those last drives towards the end. You know, with the fourth, I think uh, – Defense had just got, uh, I think he had Devin's interception. And then uh, I saw Winfield, you know, give him, you know, the piece and, you know, just said, you know, the fat lady's about to sing soon. So uh, we just got a couple more minutes, take it home. You know, the rest is history. Did you flash Did you flash deuces at anyone? Tyreek, get a couple from you? Did he get any? <laughs> nah, he didn't get any from me, but uh, I saw that, <laughs> that picture surface. So, yeah, I, I definitely feel where he's coming from, you know, competitors out there. So uh, I, I think that was, you know, it was great. Hey, congratulations and all the best this offseason. I got a feeling you guys are going to be in the thick of things again in 2021. Thanks for some of your time, Ronald. Yes, enjoy, sir. Thank enjoy you. the Michelob Ultras, man. Be good. Oh, yes, I will. See joy you. wins. All right. all right. There he is. Ronald Jones, Buccaneers running back. One of the guys who won't be a free agent going into 2021, but plenty. Of, they got to they gotta figure out some stuff, but I have a feeling they'll get it figured out. Tom Brady's going to be there. They'll have it figured out. Yeah, they'll get it figured out. And, and really, really, it was a big year for Ronald Jones. I mean, he established himself this year as the guy, and I think that's good going forward. You know, he didn't play a ton down the playoffs and late in the year because he had the little hamstring issue and lower leg issues, but – 
you know, whether Fournette's back or not, it doesn't matter. Tampa knows that they got Ronald Jones, and he's a true starting running back in the league who can do both. Be a bell cow, and we see him. He can get out in the open and break 60-yard touchdowns too. So, uh, yeah, well, we both agree that we think Tampa will be right back in the thick of things again next year too. Now let's do this. Let's take a break, and then we'll have a few minutes on the back end to talk about the viewership number that was released by CBS this morning for Super Bowl 55. It surprised me. It may surprise you. We'll be right back. Condolences to the NFL media family and the family of Chris Westling. He passed over the weekend after a battle with cancer. You can go to GoFundMe.com and make a contribution to the Westling family, Lakeisha and Lincoln. What look look how what a cute baby and what a great family photo. Lincoln, uh, his future and uh, the aftermath of of what was an awful awful situation and we extend our condolences to the Westling family and please support the GoFundMe efforts on behalf of his family Chris um, yeah great thoughts? guy like I, I love Chris Westling being around him you know used to see him at the Super Bowls and things like that here and there just was always positive happy you know just um, enjoyed the person so yeah thoughts are with his family and uh, let's let's try to support him he was part of the broader NBC sports family with Roto World before joining NFL media roughly eight or nine years ago. So uh, just horrible. It's always a horrible situation. Cancer touches everyone in one way or another, and all we can do is support those who are left behind to deal with the aftermath. One quick news item. The viewership is out for Super Bowl 55. 96 million is the total audience. It was delayed by a day, which was – a sign that it it wasn't getting to a hundred million. That's that that's that threshold that I think every Super Bowl wants to get. And they they cooked it as best they could. I'm not implying they did anything wrong, but they got it to 96. The comparable number from last year was 113. That is a 17 million viewer drop. And I I ask this every year. What the hell is everyone else in the country doing? Chris, I, I I really don't know. I mean, it, it is borderline American holiday at this point, uh, and it's a pandemic to where you want to be like, well, what else was there to do? Not that you need to sit there and on the couch for six hours, but at least have it on the TV. I'm I'm shocked by that too, but I don't know. Maybe people are just exhausted of everything right now, and because of the pandemic, the buildup to the Super Bowl was not the same. That's a that was a true factor. There's no doubt about that. Well. And the game itself wasn't very right. good. It yes. wasn't very compelling. It was compelling to us because we know what Mahomes can do. But a lot of people tune in. They see it's yeah, they 21 it to 6. They say, see you later. Yeah, right. You're we right. They say, see you later. No doubt. Thanks for some of your time. We'll see you again tomorrow. See you later. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.